Boris Johnson has given a speech which has been quite widely hailed as bizarre and rambling and incoherent, during which he compared himself to Moses and imitated a car, lost his place several times, and went on a long digression about Peppa Pig World, um, which has garnered the predictable outrage from the predictable parts of Twitter. Just before we come on to that, if you like this program, please remember to hit the subscribe button. You don't want to catch the cold that I've got while recording this, but you do want to catch all of our content that we publish daily on politics, current affairs and culture. So the subscribe button exists for a reason. Make sure you hit it. But on with Boris Johnson. So we have the clip here from Sky News, which, uh, well, why not? You all must. Uh, uh, to, to Peppa Pig World. I don't know if you've been to Peppa Pig World. Who's been to Pans? I've been anybody who's been to Peppa Pig World. Not enough. I was, well, it's fact, I was a bit hazy what I would find at Peppa Pig World, uh, but I loved it. And Peppa Pig World is, is very much my kind of place. Uh, it, 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 it has uh, a uh, very safe streets, uh, discipline in schools. Uh, Heavy emphasis on new mass transit systems, I, I notice, uh, even if they're a bit stereotypical about, about Daddy Pig. Uh, but the real lesson for me going to Peppa Pig World, and I'm surprised you haven't been there, uh, was about the power of UK creativity. Uh, who would have believed, uh, Tony, that a pig that looks like a hairdryer, uh, or, or possibly a, well, a sort of Picasso-like hairdryer, uh, a pig that was rejected by the BBC, would now be exported to 180 countries with theme parks both in uh, in America and in China as well as in as well as in the New Forest, and uh, a, a, a business that's worth at least six billion pounds uh, to this country, six billion pounds and and counting. Now, I think that is pure genius, don't you, Peppa Pig? Uh, and no government in the world, no Whitehall civil servant, would conceivably have come up. Uh, with with Pepper. So um, that was Boris Johnson. I have to say, my overwhelming takeaway from that was that Pepper Pig World is much more competently run than this country is. If they have safe streets, which famously we don't, and a good school system, which we don't either, um, an emphasis on mass transport. I don't know anything about Pepper Pig World. I'm going to take his word for it. But uh, I, I assume the emphasis on mass transport uh, in Pepper Pig World does not entail spaffing hundreds of billions of pounds on a high-speed rail link from London to Birmingham that doesn't work, and then promising it to people north of Birmingham and replacing it with trams which will never be delivered. Um, Peppa Pig World probably has a functioning border as well. I bet they have more border guards than we do. Try landing uh, dinghies on the coasts of Peppa Pig World, see what you get. Um, Peppa Pig World sounds great, and I would very much like to live there. I would much prefer it if the Prime Minister got on with making the country at least half as competently run as he describes Peppa Pig World as being. Um, but he's been in office for some time now, and I think this is the kind of thing we should probably have to expect from him. As to civil servants in Whitehall not being able to dream this up, the instinctive response is to say if you give anybody enough hallucinogenic drugs, they can dream this kind of thing up. But actually, I suspect quite a lot of people in Whitehall, if MPs are any guide anyway, I suspect civil servants are not too far behind them in the sort of drug use per capita. Um, it's testament to how boring they must be in their day-to-day -day lives, that even with... LSD, they couldn't dream up something like Peppa Pig. Um, it just makes their spreadsheets look marginally more interesting to them. But um, obviously this has garnered a huge amount of attention in the UK press, which has spent not very much time covering anything else. And to be honest, I 
think this play is very much into Boris Johnson's hands. Um, I don't see the, the issue with this. I mean, obviously it's bizarre, it's incoherent, it's a bit rambling. It is kind of funny, though, and actually I think a lot of people in the country still like that kind of thing. I mean, Boris has done worse. <laughs> He's been you know, suspended by his trousers across the River Thames on a zip wire, waving Union Jacks. Um, that just made him look like a complete buffoon, but made him more popular nonetheless. He's got his reputation for being almost a Teflon character, but that's sort of misplaced. It's not Teflon that keeps him immune to attacks from the press. It's the fact that people much prefer a politician who's a bit rambly and incoherent, but at least has character and an obvious sense of humour, to one of those identikit types who've been mass-produced over the last 20 or 30 years, whom you can't tell apart. Um, Boris, we all quite like that about him. We have in the past, at least. Uh, there is a question as to whether you know it's it's rubbing off now, but I think, again, compare that to a speech by Keir Starmer. People remember this speech. Nobody remembers what Keir Starmer says about anything. You forget it when he's halfway through a sentence, because he's just so painfully dull and careful and considered and measured. But you know, ineptly so. I mean, it's not, it's not exactly as though him being cool, calm and collected has actually applied itself to, you know, nuanced or sharply cutting political attacks. Um, so I, I don't know, I just think this isn't going to play too badly for Boris. I don't think people will pay much attention other than, oh, it's Boris being Boris again. But it's memorable, it's characterful, and makes him immediately more recognisable than most of his political opponents. All of whom... You know, and this is not just a Labour Party problem, because the Conservative Party decided a long time ago it was going to try and retain power by aping Tony Blair. Most modern MPs are just botched clones of Tony Blair. He's like Emperor Palpatine in Star Wars, or at least in the expanded universe. He was going to go. He knew he had to go at some point, which is why he carefully, carefully filled vats full of clones, none of which were quite as effective as he himself was, but they're all the same, they all do the same hand gestures, they all speak in the same pre-programmed ways. Um, you can't really tell them apart. I mean, can anybody tell me the difference between Chris Bryant, the Labour MP, and Ben Bradshaw, the Conservative MP? I can't. They sound the same, they look the same, they speak in the same way, they have the same inflection, the same body language. Um, none of these people can be told apart. So actually, no, I don't think people are really going to care about this, but it Another of the reasons that this actually benefits Boris is that New Labour's old media discipline, which used to really pick on attack line and run with it, run with it, run with it, has completely fallen apart. That's not been in operation for, well, actually, since the dying days of Tony Blair's own administration. Now, it's just this scattergun approach of outrage, which Twitter really contributes to. And so, of course, Boris gives a speech like this, and all of his critics f focus in laser-like on his Peppa Pig speech, but they all use it to, to convey some impression, some idea, some criticism of the government and its handling of the country, but they can't pick one. So it's just used spuriously to attack everything, any particular gripe that any particular voter, any blue tick on Twitter happens to have at that moment, and therefore it loses all of its effects. And this is a time, in, we have to remember, when the government is not doing well. There are innumerable issues we could be focusing on, any one of which, if we focused on them properly, if the opposition focused on them properly, would be incredibly damaging to the government, because at the moment it's doing all of the damage to itself. The Labour Party, the opposition parties, aren't exploiting any of these immeasurable F-ups that the government is making on a daily basis. This is at a time when the government is losing its own supporters over immigration and its failure to control the borders. Uh, there's the controversial NHS and social care bill that's going through Parliament at the moment. Um, 
funnily enough, on the same day Boris Johnson makes his speech, are we talking about that? Are we talking about the fact that the usual Labour figures are making the usual cries about it being the biggest threat to the NHS since last week? No, we're not, because even Labour can't marshal that kind of message discipline, despite them saying it's the next step toward privatisation. We can only wish. Um, there's the, the government is it, you know, its handling of the coronavirus pandemic is unpopular on all sides, from the left of the country who wants everyone to mask up no matter where they are, outdoors, in space, who cares, just wear your masks, wear two, wear three preferably, and from the right, which thinks that vaccine mandates have not been sufficiently ruled out and the uh, attempt to compel booster shots is a bad idea, the, the general handling of the coronavirus pandemic by this government has alienated people on both sides of the political aisle. But again, no opposition party is making use of this. I mean, you could literally name us any single issue that the government is presently involved with, and you will find that it is doing a terrible, terrible job. But you will also find that the opposition parties are not focusing on any single one of them. They're all going out and doing their own thing. The Labour Party has no message discipline. Half its shadow cabinet will be talking about completely different things from the other half of the shadow cabinet. In fact, even that's, because that implies it's bipolar and that's too organised, you'll get maybe a tenth of the shadow cabinet focusing on one thing and a tenth of the shadow cabinet focusing on something else. And the, bro the broader Labour backbenches will be all over the place um but you know it's twitter and twitter sort of it compels this type of behavior which again is another way in which this speech could arguably help boris it's a distraction from real issues which the government should be being held to account for it's another emphasis of his character versus his identikate opponents whom you couldn't pick apart in a, in a roll call you know if they were all arraigned before a police camera charged with i don't know they're politicians so paedophilia should we go with that Purely hypothetically, of course, not letting any kind of conspiracy theory at all, but purely hypothetically, you could you could stand half of the MPs in Westminster uh, side by side and say, okay, who's who, and you wouldn't be able to tell you wouldn't be able to tell me their names, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart from each other. So that's another way in which this could arguably help Boris. But let's go through some of the reaction on Twitter. Um, if of course my computer loads, he was asked about uh, his this uh, thing by the BBC. He was actually asked in slightly patronisingly, "Have you? Uh, are you okay?" So we can uh, listen to this. Uh, in your speech to the CBI, you lost your notes, you lost your place, you went off on a tangent about Peppa Pig. Frankly, is everything okay? I think that uh, I think that people uh, got the vast majority of the uh, of the points I wanted to make, and I thought uh, I thought it went over well. And well, kind of yes, maybe. I mean, he did veer back onto the point at the end about Peppa Pig being, uh, what was it, a symbol of the creativity of this country worth six billion pounds somehow to the uh, the company. His point um, about it being rejected by the BBC transpires to be incorrect. Uh, it was never offered to the BBC according to the, the Financial Times reports. Well, they did an interview with the, the creators of Peppa Pig some time ago. And uh, they said they never offered it to the BBC. It's in fact owned by Hasbro in the United States. So that, this is a point that's been made by some Twitter critics, again, entirely missing the point. I mean, nobody cares. Uh, it's sort of with Boris Johnson. John Prescott used to have this thing. John Prescott, former Home Secretary under Tony Blair's government, where he he barely spoke in English. He had some fantastically illiter illiterate lines that he would come out with. He once arrived back on a plane saying it's great to be back on terracotta. Um, he once said that the green belt is a labour achievement and we will build on it. Um, he famously sort of just just rambled incoherently his way, and everybody sort of think, well, if you wrote this down on paper, no one would have a clue what was going on. But actually, bizarrely, with John Prescott, you always knew what he was saying, and Boris has that kind of thing too. It's it's almost a meta message. The specifics are comical, and they are in some sense designed to be comical. But 
you do still understand what he's saying. So he does veer back onto the point about the impact that you know, creativity inspired by Peppa Pig, which is, it's funny. It's unusual. It is memorable. It's also a reference that most people will understand, or certainly parents with young kids will understand that reference. And it's also quite a normal human thing to do. If you're in a pub, most people in a pub, after a couple of pints, and Boris Johnson always looks like he's half cut, so he's pr- and he probably is, uh, you know, you're not exactly the most cogent speaker. Very few people are cogent speakers. They make tangents, they draw connections, which don't really, they, they, they require a bit of a lateral leap of the mind. Um, this is actually quite a normal way of speaking, as opposed to the, the polished press release style, which is favoured by most politicians in the country. I think most people probably did understand what he was saying. This isn't to say one way or the other, really. I, I, I'm, I'm undecided, really, as to whether I think it will benefit him or not. I think among some people it will. I don't think it's as damaging as blue ticks on Twitter, as we'll shortly see uniformly believe it to be. Um, I don't think also that, that his old comic effect is, is quite as effective as it used to be, however. So, you know, it's not once upon a time this would have just been a net positive for him and a significant net positive. I don't think that's true anymore. I think this is starting to uh, to lose some of its sheen. But uh, we can carry on because, again, as I said, here is proof that Boris Johnson was in fact at Peppa Pig World, so he's not lying about that. There he is looking like a half-cut gnome. Um, that's the Prime Minister of this country, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm sure you're all proud of it. Moving on. Uh, GB News did a poll. Now, this this is sort of evidence against what I was saying about it maybe playing better with ordinary people, because G- GB News, well, it, it's questionable still as to how representative of ordinary people opinion it tr- can truly be. I mean, it's only five months old. It's not as disastrous as some of its critics make it out to be. It's also not a very big channel. It has quite a small viewing base. But you would think, kind of, the, the sort of the unnuanced analysis of this would be that the type of person Boris Johnson would ordinarily be appealing to is the kind of person who probably would watch GB News. So they're not really politically tuned in, or at least they've tuned out consciously from outlets like Channel 4 News and the BBC because they don't like the over-political bias of those channels. Um, but they care about sort of their, their normal Middle Englanders, their North FC types. And as we see here, GB News has put out a poll on Twitter this is not scientific at all, so don't interpret me as giving more weight to this than I am, because I'm not giving very much weight to it. It's, it's, it is a curio, at least, that a, a GB News poll should say that the, uh, that the speech was evidence of a shambolic premiership. Um, 71.4% say yes, shambolic number 10. Uh, 28.6% <laughs> going with a slightly Shakespearean formulation of no, it matters not. Um, curious, uh, curious rhetorical advice there. Not sure that's how many GB News viewers actually speak. Even I don't speak like that very often and I'm insufferably posh. Um, nevertheless, you know that that's, I suppose, to the extent it's evidence, it's evidence that his sheen has rubbed off with the kind of North FC type who you would expect to be his core constituency, especially in the north of England, from whence North FC, of course, gets its name. Um, but is it really scientific? There have only been 2,500 votes, and it is on Twitter where anybody can vote. So I'm inclined to disregard, but just I thought I'd mention that. Moving on, and here we get, this is this is the press corps in this country, and there, I think I've got some politicians queued up as well. So Kevin Maguire, is he of the Mirror now? Daily Mirror Associate Editor, yeah, and he's a columnist in the News Daysman. Uh, he is on the further reaches of the far left in this country, and he is professionally glib. So I suppose it's it's to be expected. But, you know, it's also evidence of my point earlier, which is that everybody's focusing on this rather than actual issues. Kevin Maguire doing his job should be holding the government to account for something it's doing wrong. 
But instead, no, here he is focusing on Boris Johnson's silly Peppa Pig speech. Boris Johnson should have stayed in Peppa Pig world, he says, for those who are listening on Spotify. His bizarre performance and speech at the CBI conference will alarm business leaders, Tory MPs and voters. Nurse. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, or maybe people have more important things to worry about, Kevin, um, which is probably why they don't read your columns either. Moving on, George Eaton of The New Statesman. Don't recall if he's the one who uh, effectively slandered Roger Scruton before he died. Could be. The New Statesman as a whole did. Don't think he ever apologised for that. Uh, Boris Johnson has a point about Peppa Pig, George Eaton writes, and the power of the UK's creative industries. The pity is how much his government has done to damage them. Um, well, has he really? I mean, is, is this a plea for arts funding? Is this going to be one of the plethora, the smorgasbord of issues that apparently the Peppa Pig speech symbolises? So George Eaton has picked the slightly abstruse uh, damage to the cultural sector here, which again, theatres in London and Lovey's being out of work is not very important to the vast majority of people, even in London, never mind in the rest of the country. There are far too many overly qualified, underemployed Lovey's about who spout off about things. When you do finally put them on a stage, you wish they were they weren't on it. I mean, I I I'm quite I don't care. I I'm invested in some sense in the cultural institutions. I do cultural activities. I play instruments. I play gigs, all for all of that kind of stuff. But again, th this is not a line and attack line that that is going to play. It's just what's the point? Moving on. Emma Kennedy always pops up in my timeline, and I've never figured out who she is. She has a blue tick, so I do assume she is a moron. She is allegedly an author, a screenwriter, and celebrity MasterChef champion who is excellent at conquers. Um, yeah, cool, okay, whatever. Given Peppa Pig's creators are on record saying they never offered the show, uh, the show to the BBC, you have to ask why Boris Johnson put that lie in his speech. Uh, uh, does anyone care? Is this important? Oh my god, of all the number of all the lies we can prove Boris Johnson has told, um, there have been many more significant ones than the origins of Peppa Pig and whether or not it was ever at some point offered to the BBC. Is it, again, what, why would you pick this of all the things you could pick? Oh my, he lied about Peppa Pig. Uh, I mean, he's lied about a lot of stuff. We still don't know how many children he has, for instance. And again, that's relatively trivial. People who voted Remain would argue that he lied about a lot of stuff to do with Brexit. Most of them are wrong. Um, but nevertheless, there are more serious lies you can allege of Boris Johnson. The lie charge, though, is sort of baked in with Boris Johnson. There's, no, there's not really much currency to be had. People who think he's a liar, all the people who are likely to think he's a liar, already think he's a liar. The rest of the country either doesn't care very much because they'd rather see action, um, or they've decided that he isn't, and they're not going to be swayed by celebrity MasterChef champions on Twitter um, who write things no one, I think, has ever admitted to having read. Uh, they're, they're emoting about lies about Peppa Pig. Does Peppa Pig even care about this? I don't think there'll be an episode. I don't watch it. I wouldn't ever know. Um, Rachel Clark takes another line. So we've had three so far, three or four so far, all have taken different, uh, different attacks on the government using Peppa Pig as a launch pad. Um, Rachel Clark is again a blue tick who is a palliative care doctor and a writer who loves our NHS, our NHS. Um, and she says that the cheapest family ticket to Peppa Pig World starts at over £100. Many families could only dream of affording to visit, let alone use that visit to take a gratuitous swipe at the civil service and the BBC at Boris Johnson. Um, 
attempting to cram and sort of quite efficiently cramming three different taglines into the space of one tweet. Bit of class warfare. Most families can even dream of affording to visit Peppa Pig. Well, maybe quite a lot of families who are inclined to visit Peppa Pig land are middle class. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's the kind of thing you save up for as a kind of a one-off every year. And you save up all year to go. I don't I've never been there. I don't care about Peppa Pig World. But everyone else now has to care about Peppa Pig World because of Boris Johnson's speech, which, as we said at the beginning, is kind of useful for him. Um, so class warfare, traditionally, I mean, it, it goes through periods. Sometimes it plays well in this country and sometimes it doesn't. It never should play well. Um, but this country is only 50% sane 50% of the time. Um, then after that, we've got defense of the civil service, because lovies and blue ticks and middle class metropolitans on Twitter sort of have come to view that because they take a really managerial attitude to the running of the country. This really came about in the Brexit vote. One, one of the many divides that exposed was between the kind of people who thought that politics was best left to the people of the country via their elected representatives and that power should be as close to the people as possible and people who much preferred that politics was removed from the people as far as is possible, preferably that politics was taken out of the country altogether and invested in Brussels, where nobody could get at it. So the civil service also came under attack from some aspects of Brexit, um, the Brexit-supporting faction of the country. Dominic Cummings was very uncomplimentary about the civil service in this country. The only soft spot I have for the civil service is as a result of watching Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister, but actually the problems Dominic Cummings identified with the civil service um, are what makes those series so good. And actually, you only end up rooting for the civil service because Humphrey is so charming, but you really shouldn't because it, it, it exists to frustrate as far as is possible the uh, elected government of the day for making any substantial changes, um, which again suits people who don't like the idea that people should be given power over their own lives, like Rachel Clark. Um, and then, of course, an attack on the BBC. Um, it's one throwaway comment when Boris Johnson said the BBC rejected it. I don't think he thought too much about that. To the extent he did, what can we read from that? Not a huge amount. We know Boris's relationship with the BBC is a bit uh, iffy. I mean, the Kardashians probably have more stable and long-lasting relationships than Boris Johnson does with the BBC. Having seen the BBC's coverage of various issues to do with his premiership and to do with the issues that got him elected, not least Brexit, I would quite happily see him ditch the BBC and take a much stronger line against the BBC. But uh, again, th this is evidence that you're taking, you are attacking too many things at once, Rachel Clark. Class warfare, the civil service and the BBC. Pick one, pick one and run with it and actually coordinate with other people who don't like the government. Get some MPs on side. Let's have a meaningful opposition to the government. Maybe then it'll stop being so catastrophically inept. But no, we don't do that anymore because it's just people with their own personal gripes. Finally, I don't think we need to go through two more of these. Um, James Felton, I think he's also the New Statesman, is he? Best-selling author, 52 times Britain was a better... I don't know. I have a feeling he writes for the New Statesman. Um, could be wrong. I apologise to the New Statesman if I have inadvertently slandered them by association. And he takes the nasty line of saying, I'm starting to see now why 144,000 people are dead. So Boris Johnson going off on a riff about Peppa Pig displays the ineptitude that got 144,000 people killed by a worldwide virus against which we had no vaccines until about a year in, um, most of which were all people who were not shielded because we went for the national lockdown policies supported by the left as opposed to isolating targeted populations. Um, generally speaking, though, I just think this is cheap and a bit scummy. You're overtly politicizing 144,000 deaths. There are ways of making this point. After the fact, it will always seem a bit like Keir Starmer's 
Captain Hindsight goggles have been shared around liberally. There are ways of making the point, however. Um, the Inquiry will bring a lot of this stuff out. It ought to be handled in a sober manner and a sensitive manner and a cool and a proper rigorous official procedural manner not i'm going to see how many likes and retweets i can get for this stinging comment on twitter about the prime minister that's a cheap way of using 144,000 dead lives um but it's sort of characteristic of people on the left is that they are very moralistic uh when they talk about the rights of minorities the poor the working class the disenfranchised, the vulnerable, they always they always talk about these in high moralistic terms but have no problem at all using them as cheap political props to make whatever point it is they happen to be trying to make because they don't like the government of the day. And can't quite get over the fact that Boris Johnson, incompetent as inept as he is, is more popular than anyone they can find to lead them and is more popular than all of the causes they have put together. That's uh, not an endorsement of Boris Johnson, but it is a terrible reflection of the, the platform the Labour Party has been running on for the last 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 20 years, um, and the people they choose to stand for that platform. So, salt from James Fenton, uh, Felton, James Fenton, James Felton there. Um, that's pretty much all the ones we have to go through. I mean, The Guardian predictably focuses on this as well, when they should be focusing on much more important issues. No, the Peppa Pig speech. They quote a few different people who are also unhappy with it. Um, who have we got here? Um, we have someone from the CBI. Tory MPs themselves. Apparently one senior backbencher said it was a mess. Another senior backbencher told The Guardian, I thought today's performance was the most embarrassing by Conservative Prime Minister since last week's PMQs. Someone needs to get a grip. He is losing the confidence of the party. I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that Conservative Cabinet Ministers or Conservative Ministers or Conservative backbenchers who were inclined to brief The Guardian are probably not the kind of people who would ever have supported Boris Johnson's campaign for leadership anyway. So... And again, never putting their names for this. This is at a time when MPs are all seized of the need to end online anonymity but have no problem doing anonymous briefings to newspapers and venting their personal gripes with the Prime Minister. Um, effectively making use of a privilege denied to the rest of the people. But what's that you say? The politicians want standards for them that they don't apply to the rest of the country? Uh, I'm shocked. Jürgen Meyer, Vice Chair of the Northern Powerhouse Partnership, and a former chief executive of Siemens told The Guardian it was a failed speech. He said the speech was a massive opportunity after an absence of detail about levelling up in recent months. But, he said, it was a flop, it was a ramble. There was lots of disjointed initiatives, some that obviously had no relevance at all. As a business person passionate about reindustrializing the North, it was just a huge disappointment. Um, Jürgen Meyer is, uh, again, not exactly Boris's biggest fan. Uh, he is, I think it's probably fair to say, on the centre-left of British politics, and in some respects is quite old-left. I know he spoke very passionately in favour of an industrial strategy before, uh, during Theresa May's tenure as Prime Minister, and before Theresa May's tenure as Prime Minister. I'm with the uh, Margaret Thatcher's cabinet when they said that the words industrial strategy should not go together at all. Um, it's a signifier of your own political stance if you think that the government is responsible for reindustrializing. The North, uh, there are things it can do to reindustrialize the North, and principally speaking, that's to get out of the damn way and lower taxes, which is not something Boris Johnson is inclined to do. Kitty Usher of Business Leaders Group, the Institute of Directors, said Johnson's speech offered little to inspire confidence and was inappropriate in places. What business leaders want more than anything is a calm and reassuring macroeconomic environment that gives them the confidence to invest for the future. We haven't seen much of that from the reporting of the Prime Minister's speech. Well, no. Um, 
But I think if that had been what Boris Johnson had said, and if that had been the language he'd used when he'd said it, it would have been so boring the papers wouldn't have covered it. Uh, again, you, you, I mean, yeah, I, I'm with people who say that ideally you would have a, a prime minister who exudes competence, um, and more than exudes it, practices it. I don't think we have either. Um, but nevertheless, it's it's a really tame attack line. It's it's not going to carry much weight. Most people are turned off by talk of macroeconomic environments. Um, I think, I suspect quite a lot of business people are turned off by that as well, though they have to pretend not to be. But that's why LinkedIn exists, is for professional people to pretend that they have no character whatsoever. Um, two other business figures who were in the audience for the speech said that they were surprised by Johnson's promotion of Peppa Pig World, which is located more than 300 miles from the port of Tyne where the speech was held. Who cares? No one cares. It was interesting that he asked a group of business leaders in the Northeast if they had travelled six hours down the road to Pepper Pickwell and then talk about levelling up, said Michael Stirrup, chief executive of IT consultancy Waterstones. Not Waterstones, Waterstones. Uh, it shows a bit of lack of understanding, I think, he said. I wasn't expecting a Pepper Pig reference, said Neil Whitaker, director of marketing and communications at national training firm Learning Curve Group. He seemed to lose his way quite a bit. The GMB union described the speech as hogwash. Trade union attacks Conservative Prime Minister again. I'm bowled over by the sheer shockingness of it. And Labour called it shambolic. Much shocks there. Proof of how unseriously Johnson takes business. The Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves um, commented, no one was laughing because the joke's not funny anymore. Actually, if you go back to the clip, you can hear people laughing. So that's a, that's a misspeak by Rachel Reeves. That might even rise to the level of a lie. But, um, Again, no one cares. The other, the only other thing on which I'll close, the only other way in which, uh, well, it's sort of a corollary of the things I mentioned earlier about the ways in which this benefits Boris Johnson. I did say that it gives him a sense of personality lacking from his opponents, and Rachel Reeves certainly counts as somebody with a severe personality deficit. Um, but also it portrays them, it portrays his critics as being sour, humorless, boring sops. Because... It's relatively light-hearted, and then you get the Labour Party coming and doing its usual doom and gloom thing. And doom and gloom does not actually win elections. And this comes as a surprise to seasoned political strategists and analysts. But doom and gloom doesn't generally win elections. Anger sometimes does. But doom and gloom, which can so often be interpreted and easily be misinterpreted or reinterpreted by Conservative Party messages as talking down the country, doesn't work. Uh, it's just... It's just dull, it's sour. And the Labour Party has this reputation for being dull and sour and talking down the country. So we've had um we've had a lot of Twitter people opining on Peppa Pig World thanks to a speech by the Prime Minister in which he said it was an example of levelling up which should be extended to the north of England. And that is par for the course for British politics in the twenty first century. <laughs>